Welcome, I'm Andra, and this is the How Do You Know podcast. In this show, we'll learn how to make better decisions and open up our view to everything that's possible. I interview great decision makers to discover how they built and improved their process along the years. I really hope you'll find it useful. Let's dig in. Hi, Marius. Welcome to the How Do You Know podcast. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for the invite. It's truly a pleasure being here. Um, one of the reasons I'm I'm thrilled to to talk to you is because well we had this um, previous conversation about you know what we would talk about on the podcast and you've outlined a number of things that I really want to explore further simply because I find your experience really amazing and even overwhelming in its you know diversity and uh, in its expansiveness across continents and I really can't wait to see how that all happened and how can kind of uh you know how it came to be and how your life uh turned out the way it turned out so far and you know um wherever it it may take you next so again thank you for um so generously accepting to share your experience uh and i do have my pleasure i just i just actually i just turned 40 a uh, few days ago. Oh, and... happy birthday! I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's funny. Once you hit forty, a lot of people will say, "Wow, you're gonna you're gonna look at life with from a different perspective. You're gonna be more chilled. You're gonna be more selfish. You're actually going to, um, you know, to um, uh, value more uh, how you're spending the time, who you're spending the time with." Um, and you're always going to look back from a different perspective as well, not thinking, oh, my God, I've done so many good things and I've done so many bad things. You're all going to look at all you're going to see is experiences. And you know what? I, I just stepped into the 40s and it's true. All that <laughs> is true. So, yeah, there is some insight into this kind of, um, let's say, change or transformation that happens every decade that um, we kind of cross, when we cross this threshold. It happened the same to me when I turned 30, like a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, yeah, so that that's very interesting to know because, you know, you, you learn, you hear about these things or you read about them and you never know how much of them is true and how much is, you know, just, just for the sake of people trying to act smart and and um, maybe have a little wisdom. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. So what's been going on exciting in your life in, in the past year? I'm looking forward to, you know, understanding, um, let's say, taking a step back in time and figuring out, you know, how you got to living in Canada, for example, given that we're both from Romania and you've lived. <laughs> how many countries have you lived in so far exactly? I can't really say exactly in how many countries I've lived so far, um, but I can uh, name them. Um, I was literally obsessed with architecture since I was a very, you know, very young kid. And uh, everything for me was geometrical shapes. Everything, you know, had to be in perfect order. Um, so I wanted to study that. And um, I was, my dream was to actually study in Milano in Italy. Um, however, the payments to get accepted in that school and actually, you know, follow up with the studies over there were quite high at the time. So I realized there's not going to be any chance for me to actually make it there. Um, and what I've done was I tried to, you know, I tried to 
follow the 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 money path to get that sum of money that I needed to actually go and study over there. Unfortunately, that didn't work out very well for me. Um, life had other plans uh, laid out for me. Um, I ended up working in the United States on a cruise ship for a few years, then, um, you know, boots on the ground, living in the United States, then come back to Europe, uh, work my way through England, um, Belgium, um, Italy for a little while, Germany, um, then went a bit on Middle East in Dubai, back into Romania for a year and a half. And then I said, okay, it's time for a new chapter. And that's when I decided to immigrate to Canada. And that was, I think, 2010 when I first uh, stepped foot in, in this country and became a citizen, I think, in 2015. Oh, wow. That's quite a trajectory. <laughs> and you've basically, I think, you know, uh, somehow experienced all of the major cultures in the world. And, and you're only 40. I mean, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows well, what that, will I happen this next? Was, uh, this was, I think this was um, most likely um, what helped me become the person I am today. Um, a lot of the people will always say that, you know what, um, um, I'm basing I'm, I'm basing my my um, my decision making on this article or this podcast or this video. For me, it was always interacting with people, with humans. Um, that's actually I think that's actually if it, if I think about it right now, um, I, that's actually my strongest point: interacting with people. Um, it's also one of the weak points that I have because uh, sometimes I, I I still do it even you know even after years of getting burned um i i, I still um show a lot of trust mm. um at early stages of a, of a relationship and you know i'm talking about business relationship or even you know just regular relationships um and um that's not always uh, a good thing obviously but i think the this is the strongest point being able to interact with people on different levels I think just made me who I am today. Oh, and that I think it's definitely worth it. I really, you know, found myself uh, myself in in your words and um, having had uh, more than a few of these experiences myself, I kept remembering my boyfriend's words, who tells me, "You all, you're always so trusting of people, and you've seen that it doesn't always work out." And what I tell him is that I'm going to continue to be like this because it's proven extremely valuable to me, and it's you know helped me enriched my my mindset my abilities my know-how even with the bad stuff that happened so i'm really glad to hear it from someone like yourself who i admire for for your tenacity for your adaptability because you know getting to live in all these countries it's it's a very difficult thing did you do it when when it all started did you do it purposefully or it just happened and then you realize that this is um let's say these are profound learning experiences that you want to accumulate further um f for me was i think the desire of traveling with the curiosity i'm a very curious person so for me traveling and getting to learn about religions cultures people that was just such a beautiful um life mm -hmm. that's 
I, I, I kind of understand. I've never done it, but I kind of understand why certain people just decide to backpack around Europe um, and just take a year off and just go and see places. And the level of information, the level of knowledge, you get so much. You get to learn so much and you get to, to, to experience all that. Uh, in such a short time, it's overwhelming. It's beautiful, and um, for me, it all started when I when I started working on the cruise line. Um, I remember um, being on this ship, huge ship. There were about three thousand passengers, and there were about, I think, fifteen hundred crew. So imagine four thousand five hundred people living on a ship that has it was like a hotel, like a floating hotel. That's that had, a small town. <laughs> that's a literally small town, exactly. And 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 you were. At one point, we were 96 nations within that crew. Now, how do you get to talk to somebody without offending them, without, you know, paying a compliment and not, you know, getting a, a, a raised eyebrows and saying, like, well, what do you mean? Mm. Um, it's it's <clears throat> getting to, you cross the, the, the you cross any barrier. You get to learn how to talk to people, how to uh, how to approach them, because different nations, they have different, you know, People do have different expectations, and 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 if you learn how to overcome all these uh, obstacles that make the human interaction easier and happier. Mm. So you basically use your curiosity to put yourself in these situations and in these contexts that really helped you, you know, really not only pushed you outside your comfort zone, but well, well beyond it. Um, did you do mm, it? Comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I hate comfort zone. <laughs> um, I I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you an example. Um, one of the things that, you know, traveling, I used to love traveling. And then one point I met my wife. Well, my wife now. At the time, this was this gorgeous girl that I used. I, I, I loved spending time with. But she was in Romania and I was in Canada. And out of a sudden, <clears throat> I used to do all sorts of extreme sports and skydiving was one of them. And out of a sudden, I'm getting fear of flying. I'm getting all these thoughts in my head of what's going to happen if this plane crashes. I, I'm not going to have enough time spent with her. I don't want to die. I want to spend time with her. I'm getting all these crazy thoughts, which I never had before. Before, I used to be an adrenaline junk. I used to jump from perfectly flying planes. Who does that? <laughs> right? So now I'm, I'm, I'm facing this fear of flying, which makes absolutely no sense. And I'm actually to the point where a plane starts its engines and they, you know, they gets the pushback procedure and then, you know, um, it's the taxi procedure towards the runway to take off. I'm freaking out and I'm, I'm just jumping off my seat and I'm going straight to the flight attendant and I say, stop the plane. Let's go back to the gate. I need to get out of here. That happened twice. That was not fun. Oh, so I decided, I said, okay, this, yes. And I said, okay, you know what, this, I got to overcome this one way or another. So <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to, um, this, I'm meeting somebody who's, who's saying, you know what, um, you can easily overcome this. Just see a hypnotherapist, sorry, hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, okay, well, it's obviously something that my, my conscious mind can control. So, okay, I have to see somebody. Um, I've met this little woman in her 60s. She was just, I don't know, very, very, she wasn't, she was a short woman. And she's looking, she looks at me, she says, oh, that's not an issue. Come over here, sit down. <laughs> and somehow in a couple of sessions, I end up on a school flight 
taking flying lessons and becoming a <laughs> becoming a private pilot that is quite the leap from you know because we all get <laughs> exactly. like, many of exactly. us get fear of flying but like oh, it was wow it was <laughs> the the procedure the, the takeoff procedure was one of the most oh my god i used to be terrified by it. the moment the the plane was you know accelerating the engines and and it was that sudden move where the plane starts rolling on the on the on the on the on the runway i used to squeeze the juice out of that chair I was mm. so terrified. And then the, the, literally the liftoff, that moment when the wheels are no longer on the ground, I used to be terrified. Then it was another procedure when they retract the flaps and then you have this sink sensation, like you think you're going to fail. It's actually, these are so, so, this is such a routine. Once you start taking flight lessons, this is such a routine. And, and, and then I realized, I was like, oh my God, this actually, that fear was, had no foundation. Why was I scared of? This is so much fun. And here I am, even today, take, like going from private flights from time to time. So you dismantled your fear by going at it, you know, basically just picking it apart and understanding how every part works yes. until yes. you mastered flying, which is absolutely fantastic, by yes. the way. Yes, I used um, to be I used to be afraid of, of how high we fly. And I was thinking like, oh, my God, what if something it happens? Well, the, one of the first rules you learn in aviation is like the higher you fly, the safer you are. Oh, like, that's I had no interesting. Idea. <laughs> I, I... Right. of course of course you there's a there's a there's the other side of, of the story where um you know um you start learning sounds and you start learning you know what's happening good and bad and then you're in a commercial flight and you realize that one of the flaps isn't working properly and you'd be like oh god i hope he knows what he's doing um but uh you know um all the pilots all around the world are pretty pretty trained to to cope with this kind of situations Oh, wow. I think that this is very, going to be very helpful for the people who listen, who sometimes get anxiety on flights, which includes me as well. Uh, and it's not, I mean, I, I think that most of us realize that it's not rational. And we know that, you know, statistics show us that flying is a lot safer than any other form of transportation. But still, we can get ourselves, ourselves to that place of uh, internalizing this thought and realizing that, you know, it, it's fine. And this is just a passing sensation simply because well humans aren't really used to flying because it doesn't really come natural to us <laughs> yeah, even though true. it's become routine for for so many other people and i find it I, very <clears throat> interesting that you know there are two things that kind of shifted your perspective one was the relationship that influenced how you saw risk basically and it, mm -hmm. it changed that perspective of yours and then how you approach this do you remember any time you know during uh flight school or during your your session um where you had like an aha moment that uh, triggered you know i need to let go of this or did it just happen gradually because you know everyone has a yeah in process. my first in my first solo flight um the 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 i remember the cloud ceiling was was quite low at the time i think it was about 350 feet uh from the ground uh which is not much is like about 100 meters so um that was my first solo flight um, literally, it was just me inside the, 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 this tiny little plane, and the instructor was on the side, and he just gave me the thumb up, and he said, go, you know what you're doing. I freaked out before pushing the throttle. I said, what, what am I doing? I'm flying. <laughs> I, I knew exactly what to do. Well, you know what? The moment you lift off, right, the, 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 the anxiety 
came right back at me. The moment I was all alone, lined up on the runway. By the time I actually taxied all the way to the runway, I had no problem. But the, the moment I realized what I'm about to do, the anxiety struck right back. And I said, oh, no, no, that's really not the time. So I pushed the throttle, lift off, and I went straight into the, to the, to the, to the cloud ceiling. Obviously, you don't see anything outside. And you're only focusing on the instruments and the flying instruments. And I was looking at, uh, and, and everything, I've done this so many times with the instructor next to me, and I realized, oh, I know exactly what to do. This is just a reflex right now. I know what where to look. I need to look at the speed indicator, the altitude indicator. I got to make sure I have enough power to climb. So all that, and then split second later, I was above the clouds. Hmm. I was cloud surfing. The sound was wasn't kicking the ground anymore, so the sound was not as 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 powerful. It was, it was all I was able to hear was that's it, and and I was it was in the morning as well. So it was the sun, the clouds, me. There were no taxes, there were no contracts, there were no deadlines, there was nobody to bother me. It was just feeling of of freedom and accomplishment. And I just started to laugh like a maniac. And I told <laughs> myself, I said, I am such an idiot. That's this the release. <laughs> yes, that was the relief moment. That was the aha moment. I said, okay, you know what? This is, I'm, this, I'm going to have fun. And yeah, that was it. Ever since flying for me was the most amazing thing ever. Wow, that's quite a story. And thanks for sharing that with us. I think there's a powerful uh, kind of analogy in there. You know, the fact that you seem like the kind of person that's very adept at dealing with uncertainty. And I think that the way you, you told the story, the way you used the instruments and the practice that you have, uh, the way you used it to guide you through that uncertainty to that very high pressure moment where, you know, um, your lizard brain, as Seth Godin, told you yeah. that, what are you doing? Please stop. This is not natural. <laughs> You're not doing it right. You should be safe. Um, I think that that's very interesting. And I'm really curious to see, you know, in, in all these uh, decisions from, in, in, from your life, you know, changing jobs, changing roles, changing countries and continents. Um, I'm very curious to, to know kind of what are your guiding values or principles that have helped you, you know, always find your way to new experiences and always kind of try to make the most of it, even though it was everything so new, so much and everything at the same time. This year, I'm actually going to celebrate 15 years since I started uh, designing digital content. And um, <clears throat> I have to say this out loud. Um, it's really not what you're working on. It's who you're working with. Um, it's Websites are always going to be the same. Yes, technology changes every hour, every day, every month, every year. Uh, that makes things a bit interesting, but people, working with people, sitting in the same room, brainstorming ideas, coming up with these great concepts, this is what actually motivates me the most. So throughout the entire career, I always followed people. Um, I spent almost seven years working with this amazing um, angel investor, which is now based in, in, in San Francisco. And... I'm not going to give names, uh, but um, he was, I used to call him the enabler. <laughs> um, he was, <laughs> his sense of aesthetic was horrible. 
horrible. But he always trusted me, and he always knew what buttons to push to enable me to create better, to create faster, to over-deliver. He always knew. And I, I've been always looking for this kind of people in my life. And, and I'm not just talking about design. I'm talking about pretty much anything. Um, about Sorry, if I'm going to go back to the question, but I just want to give you this example about... Um, oh, about yes, please. Three, three years ago, three years ago, um, I was... Stress really got to me, and I was going through this terrible depression. Um, I uh, started... I, I stopped smoking after about... I think it was over 15 16 17 years a long long time oh, i was i was into <laughs> i was godly i got into thank you i got uh, i was i was in this i was in this place where i used to smoke two packs a day and i stopped and i i needed a lot of help to for that to happen it was very hard it was a long process it was very hard and now i can't get near anybody who smokes um literally because i i can't stand the smell um there's a lot of people say, hey, you don't have the crave for it. I, I really don't. And it's been five years ever since. And I really don't. But because of that, because of stop uh, stopping smoking and, 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 and because of the depression, because the stress really got to me, um, I, uh, I got really fat. I was overweight um, and the blood analysis were not very great. And I, I got into a moment where the doctor reached out to me and he said, we need to talk. So I said, well, yeah, he's going to give me that speech where, oh, you know what? You got to, you know, look what you're eating. And mm -hmm. he looked at me. He says, you have what we call um, non-alcoholic fatty liver. I don't drink alcohol. This is one of the things I, I just, I can't drink alcohol. I, I can get drunk just by drinking a beer. Um, so I don't drink alcohol at all. Um, and they diagnosed me with non-alcoholic fatty liver, but it was so bad. Then the doctor looked at me and, and, and I remember her, she looked at me, she was having tears in her eyes and she said, you're this close to cirrhosis and I cannot save you. Oh God, that's. So that's not the speech you want to hear. It was just one sentence and it was such a hammer in, it felt like a hammer striking me in the head and 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 i realized that was a depression episode that was you know that was literally the worst moment in my life i could hear that and i said this is not okay i have to change something what do i change how do i do it and uh luckily among you know the friends that i made traveling around the world i met this tunisian um uh, gentleman who is now competing for mr universe bodybuilder, professional bodybuilder. He's been doing this for over 20 years. And I reached out to him and I said, can you help me? And he said, very optimistic, very cheerful. Oh yeah, of course. And, and <laughs> I was like, okay, um, you probably don't get the gravity of the situation. And he said, no, no, I understand. But you, you listen, just don't worry about it. In six months, I dropped 30 kilograms. That's over 60 pounds. And I had to eat like the the whole food culture changed in my head. Um, every I had to study, I had to learn about food, when to eat, what to eat, 
how to um, uh, how to stay away from medicine because the doctor mm. was pushing medicine towards me the whole time and I refused them. Um, and then six months later, I checked in into the ultrasound center and I had three doctors coming into the room, calling each other. You know, like in those Friends episodes, I got to check with the doctor. I got to have another opinion. Mm-hmm. There were doctors coming into, coming into to, to look at the analysis and they were like, this is a brand new liver. You have absolutely no oh, wow. issue with your liver. What medicine did you took? And I said, well, I didn't take any medicine. I just ate right. And um, just by, I had to, that was the episode where, again, a person who I interacted with in the past, I reached out and I said, can you help? And he said, yes, of course. So then, so one side, you have the enabler from San Francisco, that angel investor who is a brilliant mind. And I hope I can work with once again in, in the future. And, 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 and who that guy was, he knew how to enable me. He knew how to push me. And then I had this gentleman who knew how to um, approach me and, and teach me all there is to know about food culture and, and, and the right food and the right amount of food and how to eat and how to combine it because it's all about in the combination. While we love to eat mac and cheese or cheese toast, oh my God, that can, this literally mm. that's poison to your body, right? So, so um, I, was, I used to make jokes with my wife. There's probably a plantation somewhere in, in California of broccoli, which I literally finished eating. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, um, surrounding my, to answer, to going back to your question, surrounding myself with this kind of people, this kind of individuals has always helped me move forward in my life, learning new things. Um, and, and I always want to give back now that I know how to eat and I know what worked for me. Uh, I'm always trying to provide advice to anyone that comes comes to me and he says, hey, I have this problem. How did you lose weight? Or somebody who says, hey, I have this problem with this layout, you know, website layout, app layout. What do I do? Um, it's all about receiving and giving back. Literally, that's what it is. Mm. Oh, that's a powerful lesson. And I think that you should definitely give yourself a lot of credit for, uh, you know, being able to not only overcome all these big challenges uh, and finding those also external, embracing the external influences and also acting on your internal triggers and managing to to get yourself out of this, these situations because it always reaching out to people, I think is so underrated and so many people still yes. don't yes. have the huge value that there's in asking for even a complete stranger for help. Because, it's one of yeah. those things that I see even today um, on the internet. Like there's this website, Designers News, that I, I frequently um, read. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people just posting their new port- portfolio or their new website. They're like, hey, guys, what do you think? So I, I understand that, you know, okay to get a mass information about, you know, whatever project you're working on or your own website and so forth. Um, but um, it happened to me and it happens to me quite frequently that I get into a position where I need a second opinion or a third opinion or a fourth opinion. And what I do, what I like to do is I book somebody's time from San Francisco, from New York, from Montreal, from Toronto, from Portland, doesn't really matter. And I literally fly over there to be one day with that person and discuss that issue. 
That is a big investment. And I'm, I'm so happy you're talking about these things and you, that you're talking about them so transparently and so honestly, um, because we all, I, everyone goes through really rough patches. Depression and anxiety are something that are incredibly common nowadays. And many people don't know how to talk about them. They don't know how to name them. They don't even recognize these problems in themselves, even though they confront, you know, they're confronted with the symptoms and everything that brings us down. And no one, all these success stories that we read about, kind of, they, they distort our perspective. And they kind of, um, you know, Tend, they tend to make us forget that there's a lot of effort and a lot of ups and downs behind every successful project, behind every successful trajectory or a life, you know, well lived. Um, and I, this is one of the aspects that I'm very thankful of. And I'm very thankful to be talking to you about these things and to other guests on the show, because I'm trying to demystify exactly that and really unpack what it takes to get you from A to B, what it takes you to get from Romania to Canada and uh, 10 or 15 countries <laughs> in between, what it takes to get you from a place where you're suffering from anxiety to where in a place where you own your feelings and where you... Um, own your health and where you reach that state of self-awareness that you know really helps you level up and it helps you lead a good life not just in terms of you know financial stability and so on and so forth but you know that your internal life let's call it that uh, where it's established so again thanks for for sharing all these so candidly um i know it must have been really difficult especially when when we talk about health issues those are kind of some of the biggest triggers in our lives for to, to look at our of decisions of course absolutely and and uh, you know what i think just to just to complement what you said i think it's just about being happy there's so many reasons why people say, oh, I can't be happy because, you know, I don't have enough money or my work is not, uh, you know, well received or it's not uh, complimented enough. Or um, I don't know, I can't go to Hawaii because I'm afraid of flying. Um, I think it's all about simplifying everything in your life. Um, scrum it down to whatever take it step by step okay you you can't go to okay you don't have enough money and your work is not as great as you'd like to be you don't net like your network you, you don't have enough projects actually you, you're uh, uh, stressed about paying rent or and on top of that you can't go to see your family i don't know back in toronto or whatever back to romania because you have to go through at least three flights to get there and travel for about 20 like at least 20 hours being in the air mm. um okay so take it one by one so first of all you don't have enough money why is that you don't have enough projects okay why is that so keep asking yourself why not why not why not? And, and and at one point you realize that it all comes down to not networking literally i'm not kidding when i'm saying nine over 90 percent of my work it's either returning clients or recommended clients i haven't had a client reaching out to me directly i don't know from the website from whatever social media channel saying like oh we love your portfolio we'd like to work with you I haven't had that in a long time. And and that's why my effort will never go into my Instagram account, my Dribble. I I don't think I can't remember the last time I posted anything on Dribble or on Instagram. I, I had three posts on Instagram last year, which is terrible. Um and, and we all know our common friend who's very unhappy about this. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but um but but for me what's really working was always 
it has always been human interaction, networking. It's so easy to just reach out on LinkedIn and say, hey, I saw you have a new promotion. Congratulations. If you're in the same time, town, say, hey, why don't we have a coffee? I'll, invite, I'll buy you a coffee just to say congratulations. That's so easy. And you know what? It's actually healthy for you too. Sitting in front of the computer all day, it's not healthy. I realized that in so many it took me a lot of years to, to realize that. But actually, right now, I work four to five hours every day, and I get accomplished way more than I used to when I was working 10 hours. Oh, how did that happen? Tell, tell, tell us a bit about that, because I think that many people would like to find out. You know, it's the four, kind of the four-hour work week um, dream that, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about. But I'm really curious how this happened for you um, and, you know, maybe what it took to, to get you from that point of overworking, because obviously, you know, working more than eight hours a day, no one can focus that much. Studies show it. So how did this happen for you exactly? Uh, I don't know exactly when it happened. I just realized at one point that thinking before acting will actually bring you way more value into the project. So instead, instead of actually start without listening, start designing layouts over layouts over layouts and coming up to five, six, seven proposals to the client, I'd rather sit down and work with the client on the layout. It's, it happened in so many occasions when we were literally, if we were remotely, I would have shared my screen and start talking about how the layout would look like and, and, and how the content will be displayed. It's easy when you involve the client since the beginning because you know what? Doesn't matter how many audit uh, sessions you will do to find out all about that is you know for the business. You will still have pieces of information that they're not going to be delivered to you, so you will not know everything. So when you involve the client 100% into your workflow, you have faster results and better results. And actually, you know what? It's pretty funny to to, to see clients' reactions. You know, when you work, obviously, we're not talking about that deep uh, session where you're, you know, involved into color palettes and typography choices and layout choices and, you know, talking about padding, horizontal, vertical. Mm. That's so technical that 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 time you need that time for yourself. However, adjusting made layouts, already made layouts. Uh, with a client on your screen or by your side, it's something that I found to be fun fun to work and and but then going back to your question um how did i migrate it from 10 15 hours to uh four to five hours well first of all was aging and when i was 36 37 38 i had i did not have the same um level of energy to spend 12 hours in front of the computer. I was getting tired. My back was hurting. Although I was, I'm, I'm still doing martial arts. It's part of my literally everyday training. Um, I had a lot of issues with my health, my eyes, my back, my feet, my shoulders. Pretty much everything was hurting. So aging was part of the process that made me think that I can no longer spend so much time in front of the computer. Secondly, after doing this for 15 years, you get a lot of experience and you know how to tackle certain projects. And in 15 years, you get the chance to work from restaurants to flower shops to barber shops to Fortune 500 to NGOs to startups to 
uh, um, aeronautical space. Pretty much you get to work with a lot of industries. So the chances that you've been working in that industry on a new project, they're quite big. So you kind of know how to tackle that. You already have that experience. Also, in 15 years, you get a lot of experience. Not necessarily 15 years. It can be five years. It can be three years. If you know yourself really well, you actually um, know what's working and what's not working for you. Oh, that's a very good point right there about knowing yourself. Because I kept thinking, you know, when you were discussing about working with customers directly. I think that, you know, many people, when they hear this, they think, wow, this guy's like extremely brave putting himself out there because many people feel like in this customer, you know, service provider relationship, you want to impress, you want to always be in the know, always be on top of things. Um, and you don't want to give out the impression that you may have slips or, you know, might have moments where you don't know exactly what you're doing. And God knows everyone has those uh, and they happen really often as well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you emphasize the fact that um, experience is not only measured in time, but it's measured, I think, in the intensity of the yes. effort that you put in knowing yourself, knowing your craft, um, and really understanding how people work. Because at the end of the day, I keep, you know, even though I work in marketing, but I was, I'm also passionate about information security. You work in design. You were passionate about architecture. We all have this very diverse, a very diverse palette of <laughs> interests and, um, you know, um, other topics that spur, spur our enthusiasm. So I find it interesting that it's it's this specific thing that always keeps us, you know, um, learning a lot more in a shorter period of time than we would, you know, if we just do things and just go with the flow. If you do it intently and if you look at things, if you stop to analyze them, if you stop to ask questions, they don't even have to be the best questions at the beginning, but you do learn to ask better questions. And the more you find oh, out absolutely. about yourself, it just yes. keeps going, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Let's start here. Let's let's uh, unpack um, a bit more about how you build this mindset. Because I think that, you know, you've built, it seems like you've built a lot of resilience into your mindset. A lot of um, flexibility, that flexibility that allows you to just embrace every challenge and, and make the most of it, even if it's difficult. Um, you know, have that stoicism that um, helps you cope through, through the, inevitable bad moments that we all have. Um, so I'm really curious, you, you talked about the importance of people and reaching out to people, having a mentor, having someone who constantly challenges you. Um, is there, are there any other things that kind of change your perspective? Um, aside from these experiences, I realize that, you know, given your uh, these these incredible, um, let's say, life experiences that you had are, are no match for uh, many, many of the books and resources out there. But I was curious if there are any other, you know, things that contributed to this, this process um, of getting from just from the uh, step by step from stage to, to the next one. Yes, yes. Um, reading, reading was was a huge thing for me when i used to be young i used to read anything i could get my hands on anything starting from 
mechanical magazines because my mom used to work in uh, in uh, in in mechanism designing mechanisms and robots and so forth and then and um i used to be obsessed by technical probably you know this is why the geometry was uh an obsession of mine since i was a kid um but i used to read anything i used to read poetry when i was uh, uh, uh little and one of my favorite poetry was was nikita sanescu um and um i used to literally read as much as i could um and and then something happened um Throughout the years, I realized that um, I can't, my mind became so noisy. I got myself influenced. Um, something happened throughout the years. Um, and and I was, my mind became so noisy that I was unable to sit and read a page. Um, I was thinking of anything else but what's in front of me. So I was reading the page and I was just like glancing over the first paragraph and I realized, I could have realized that, that, that I couldn't remember what I read. Mm. Literally, I was in that position. I was thinking about Twitter and, and Instagram and the email that I have to send and the, the reply that I'm going to get. And, and all those thoughts were always an avalanche in my head. And because of that, I was having problems sleeping and, and I was having problems uh, you know, doing anything, even watching TV. I was in front of a TV with my wife and we were watching anything on Netflix. And then at the end of the movie, um, she would look at me and she said, she would have said, you didn't see anything, did you? It was true. Um, and I tried to, to approach that because uh, I'm going to get back to this. Books have been actually played a really important role in my life. Um, I tried to combat that. I tried to, again, challenge that and said, okay, how do I get rid of this issue now? Um, so I started with this application from Amazon called Audible, and I started listening to, 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 to books. But there was another problem. As long as it would have been light in my room, and I can't explain that, it would have been daylight or any kind of light in my room, I was unable to focus on the person's voice. So it would have been, you know, had to be dark uh, or even wear an eye mask i know this sounds terrible what i'm saying right now but no it's, it sounds like you you had to I remove had stimulus to, the, the exactly. other stimulus so you could focus. i had to get rid of all the stimulus possible because otherwise my voice sorry the voice in my head was literally not going to achieve the objective mm. i was listening to the book but couldn't hear anything if that's the way to say it yeah, no, I get that. I think um, that so many of us have this issue. So many of us keep jumping from thing to thing without, because our ability to focus has been decayed so much. And it, it happens to me as well. Sometimes the more you read, the more information you take in, your brain keeps making these connections and keeps jumping from one topic to another. And it's very difficult to stop yourself from snowballing into uh, the yes. massive deluge of information that you don't know how to handle anymore. That's true. So, so with that, to, to literally learn how to quiet my mind, I actually reached out to the same person who helped me quit smoking cigarettes and who helped me with the fear of flying. We're talking about the same um, lady in her 60s, the short person mm -hmm. <laughs> who had so much, so much power over me with hypnosis. And she literally showed me techniques to quiet my mind before going into the reading procedure. And I done that. I've done that, and I and I'm still doing it. 
and I find myself reading for a couple of hours in a beautiful afternoon, I can even be outside sitting by a tree and I have no problem reading. It's all about mastering your mind. It's all about telling your mind to shut up because right now you want to focus on reading. It's, I know it's very, it sounds crazy, but yeah, you can do it. No, it doesn't. I think that that's why, you know, that's why meditation apps are taking off. That's why there's so much, there's so much investment, I guess, and interest in neuroscience and everything that's teaching us about how our brains work and how neuroplasticity actually affects our brain physically uh, to the point of changing how it works and everything that we do on a daily basis affects this and it affects us in the long run. And of course, by through this network effect, it affects the people around us the ones we love the most uh, and even people we don't know because it all boils down to this these relationships between humans and I love how we keep coming back to this this topic <laughs> because I'm, I'm a strong believer as well that it's really about the people companies that make yeah. of people governments countries yes whatever yes. nations whatever form of you know association or cooperation that exists in our society and the fact that our society and world exists at the way it does is a result of human relationships and I think that there's you know there's so much misunderstanding and there are so many biases that keep us from really connecting to each other and from really understanding what each of us goes through that making even the smallest effort to understand uh, more of that person's context and to cultivate just to use a bit more empathy can really make a huge huge difference for that person's life and uh, you should be like you you're an ambassador for this and you definitely do it every day and the fact that we're talking right now this is exactly one of those moments that i wish happens a lot more often in everyone's lives um, <laughs> that's true just because you know it helps us connect this way absolutely um going back to your question because i never got to that um we were talking about um other things that have influenced me and and and, and helped me become who I am. Um, I I did mention before that I'm a curious mind. Um, one of the things but I, that I have to mention uh, is that I never studied business. I never studied design. Everything that I learned, I learned on my own. I make this, I make all kind of mistakes every day. Um, but as I was saying at the beginning of this, the recording, um, I'm into 40s now, so I really don't care about making mistakes anymore. Um, I started looking at every mistake um, as an experiment, and experimenting is how you actually grow. Um, and I remember something reading about something um, that um, Jason Freud um, wrote in Rework. That's one of the books that I mm-hmm. I I love. He said, um, "Experiment." see what works for you and literally don't care when everybody else tells you, oh, this is not going to work. They told him it's not, base game is not going to work. It's a crazy idea. Nobody's going to pay that much money for that kind of business. Oh, and, and now you have a remote team? That's not going to work. It worked. It's working fine. And it's one of the most amazing companies you want to work for as a designer, as a developer, no matter what. You want to work for that company. I think that the, the, the book literally strips all the concepts that they're being implemented in our heads about management, about, you know, um, I don't know, entrepreneurship, right? It mm-hmm. just just lets you be, uh, lets you enjoy the essentials and, and how to do everything right. 
right? So yeah. it's I think it's the same. I think it's the same. Uh, I'm actually enjoying this great book right now from Paul Jarvis, uh, Company of One. I, I think it's a phenomenal book on how to achieve literally greatness by staying small um, and then just focusing on what you love most and and just just do 110% of what you enjoy the most. I love that you're you're mentioning this that you're mentioning J- Jason which came up like really frequently in my conversations for this podcast and you know the fact that um I actually had Paul on the podcast as well and we discussed exactly about this and about this shift in perspective and I hope this becomes like a cultural shift because I think that we all need that we've been um inoculated with these ideas for such a long time that you know extreme growth is something that everyone aims for and um, just think big and go big or go home and every other stereotype that it works for some people but for others it just doesn't and that is absolutely fine I mean finding your own path and realizing that you can you know deliver value without all without on your own terms and doing it in a way that's healthy for you as well um, I think that this is a huge realization that more and more people are having and I hope that they have it earlier in their lives because I feel like for some of us it took a while to get here for me it took like four burnouts and almost (laughs) like getting sick to the point of you know almost almost ended up in the hospital because of overworking and not knowing how to harness this energy so I think that these are extremely valuable topics and I'm really glad you brought them up in in such a way and that you know you highlighted them through your own experience and also that you mentioned this fact that, you know, you don't have to wait 10 years to get to that point because you can learn from other people's experiences. Just talk to them. Just ask them the questions. Ask them how they got from point A from from A to B. Ask them what it's like to do the job that you like to do. This is something that I actually discussed a couple of episodes ago with uh, Kelly Moore. Just Mm -hmm. ask people questions and understand how it works like in real life. Because when we're young and when we're just starting out, we have only these preconceptions and these notions about how things work. And they're not really, you know, anchored in reality until we face that that reality. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. My pleasure. Um, (laughs) Um, Talking about other books, um, if I think the book that I loved the most and I think it it's something that made me realize that I love being an interaction designer most that more than anything and when I'm talking about interaction designer I'm, I'm talking uh, of what they call these days multidisciplinary designer talking about print environment and talking about web environment and any kind of digital environment um, as long as you interact with it I like to call that interaction design so you interact with that design. You're you're going. You're walking on the street, and you see a, um, I don't know. You see a, a a print in a bus station. You interact with it. You glance at it. You stop. You look at it. You you know probably admire the photography or the artwork or the typography. Something. The moment you interact with that, that's what I like to call interaction design. I'm pretty sure this is not the most accurate definition for interaction design. And if I'm you know going over somebody's. Uh, um, job position that's actually interaction design and I'm offending it. I promise you, I'm, I don't want to offend anybody about it, but this is what I like to do. I like to say that I'm an interaction designer because I design things that you interact with. And one of the books that maybe understand that at, at what kind of levels you can bring design was um, 
this and I read it. It was a long time ago, in two thousand four, two thousand five. It's uh, it's called Brand Sense by Martin Lindstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I remember I read that book in a plane flying to Miami, um, and it just I had the wow. And when I landed, and I was like, I was thinking as uh, in my head was like, wow. I couldn't get rid of that word. Wow, wow. I mean, you modify the metal structure for a car so when you close the door it doesn't slam it just does click so you can achieve a certain sound that people will get used to and that's how you differentiate a brand car from from like this how this is how you differentiate cars from a brand to another and um so we're talking about sounds we're talking about smells we're talking about visuals it's in it's unbelievable that book any designer who wants to to start a true career in design, you have to read that book. And it sounds like a great read for any marketer as well, because I oh, feel absolutely. like we're all, you know, multidisciplinary specialists now. You can't have one without the other. They all work together. And the more you understand from other people's crafts, the more I think you become better at yours because you understand how your work actually functions in a context that you know works with other people's uh, efforts so that's um you know being curious this way and cultivating this curiosity um i think it's going to become essential especially as so many tasks become automatized um automated sorry i think that that's how you cultivate let's say a competitive advantage in the sense of being able to deliver true value and to actually make people's lives better more enjoyable or easier um because at the end of the day kind of that's what any other job does (laughs) no absolutely absolutely it's all about being happy like i mentioned before it's all about being happy doesn't matter if you're an employee um, or, uh, you know, and you like to be an employee. I personally don't simply because my day, it's, it's never the same. My days are never the same. And, and, and I like to have this freedom. I can't design. I can't just come at nine o'clock in an office and look at the white screen and click just like that, start designing. I can't, mm-hmm. that's not working for me. I have to sit down, get my head into the business, uh, get, get myself into the consumers shoes or the business uh, 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 you know business owners shoes and then try to understand what needs to be achieved and how it needs to be achieved for me that's a major milestone before even starting talking about colors and and shades and trends and typography and so forth I need to understand what we're trying to sort out what are we trying to solve over there and uh, and 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 as long as my head is stressed out as long as I'm stressed out as long as I'm uh, you know, thinking that, oh my God, my cat at home is dying and I'm not there, or my son has fever and my wife had to take the day off and I'm stuck here in front of the office. And you know what? Most employers will give you a day off or two or three, but nobody's going to be super happy when you're taking days off and days off and days off and, and, and you're not going to be productive for their business anymore. And that's a fact. That's the truth. Mm. Um, being just like, just like uh, Paul Jarvis says, being on your own, you are in charge of your freedom. You are in charge of your um, uh, environment, that where you're working, when you're working, what you're working, and most importantly, like I mentioned before, who you're working with. Um, it's there's <clears throat> easily you can easily add stress 
to 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 your to your family life to your business um, just by not working with the right people. Um, I'm in a I'm in a design business. I can work with the wrong developer, and that developer will never meet the deadline, or it's not mm-hmm. going to uh, you know deliver to the quality that I need, and that's going to add stress to me. And when I'm going to go home, I'm going to go stressed out, and you know, because that's the truth. We can't lead separate lives. You're not just going to walk out the door. And, you know, you're not going to care. We care. This is why we're successful, because we care. We put, you know, we put our passion and our soul into to what we do. And and this is why, you know, people are coming back and work with us every day. Oh, yes, definitely. Yes, to, to all, uh, all of that, to everything that you said. And I think that I just hope that more people, you know, whether they choose to stay as an employee or uh, whether you're, you're a leader or manager or CEO or someone with, you know, decision making power, I think that paying attention to these aspects will become essential for retaining, for attracting and retaining talent. Just give people flexibility, give them, let them be in control. Of course, not everyone can you know can assume this level of responsibility because it also takes it it takes two to tango in this situation as well it takes a responsible person that owns their their schedule that owns their craft that is invested in that mission but it all comes back to this right it comes back to asking yourself why you're doing this if it's valuable to you, if it aligns with who you are, with your values, your principles, how you want to lead your life. And these questions kind of help clarify and help break through all this confusion, all this complexity. And it's not like things are going to get simpler going forward. They're going to get even more intricate as, you know, everything changes around us and technology changes the world and we change it. Um, Absolutely. So I think that this, these are really valuable things to think about. They're valuable topics to explore, to, to give time to. This is not wasted time. This is time that we dearly need to invest in ourselves because, you know, for our sake, for our family's sake, for our friend's sake, for whatever it is that you care about, just stop and, and ask why and ask why you're doing this and what the real purpose is here. And I'd like to ask one last question. Um, from the entire process, you know, your entire decision-making process, uh, we've talked about influences, we've talked about asking why. I wanted to ask you if there's any, you know, another part of this process that you think is really valuable and that people should take more time, you know, spend more time on that. So you have this clarification phase uh, that means um, basically asking questions and realizing what it's about. Then you have, um, let's say, trying to validate your assumptions or challenging them with people around you. And this kind of happens throughout the process uh, before making a decision, after making it. Um, what else would you think, would you recommend people, you know, from your experience, uh, what else would you recommend people focus on when they have a, a big decision to make because those big decisions if you we pay attention to them i think that we can learn how to make better decisions that are smaller and that we usually uh, make without giving them too much thought i save the best for the last if i may say so um your inner self every single time when you're facing a challenging uh time your gut tells you do it or don't do it um, I, I'm a fan of, of taking leaps of faith, um, but in 
lots of occasions when I I'm not comfortable. Something inside of me tells me to stay away from a person or a or a project or a situation, and I do stay away. I am more happy. I am more relaxed. I made peace with myself, and I said, okay, I I took the decision not to do it or do it. If I do it, I'm going to keep moving forward. But your inner self. This goes back to what we were talking about, learning to know yourself, learning to know your mind, how it operates. And honestly, um, every single time when I have listened to my gut, I was successful. Mm -hmm. And didn't it happen to me because this is so right. And, you know, cultivating this intuition is something that happens naturally as you kind of gather life experiences and when they overlay on top of each other and they start making connections, even unconsciously. Um, there's that pit in your stomach when you yes. do something that that's you know the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yes, when you do something you're not supposed to do, and you immediately realize after you know committing to something or making a decision, you immediately yes. realize like oh, I shouldn't have done this. Yes, uh, that's the one I'm talking about. That's exactly the one I'm talking about. Your brain, your mind will know what's good for you. It's the conscious mind that overrides the undermind. So it's always going to be, uh, you know, your gut saying, "Hey, don't do this." But your mind says, oh, no, but you need money. You have to do it. So mm. that's when the conflict appears. When the moment you're, you are you start knowing yourself and you start giving your mind more credit, you know, um, your mind will never want to harm you, will yeah. never want to harm your body. Um, you, your mind will always want to be, will always want you to be happy and, and, and you know, achieve success and feel success, successful and accomplished. But it's the decisions that we're taking. It's the, 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 the conscious side of the mind who says, no, there's all the other factors that we need to, you know, uh, take in considerations. And that's when a lot of uh, bad situations happen. That's when all the mistakes are happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's a very fine balance to achieve between, you know, getting the information you need to make a decision and going with your gut as well because of your previous experiences and how you've internalized them and how you've processed them and kind of how your mind already organized this information. So that's, I think that there's no right way. So obviously we, I've talked about this and I've talked about this with my guests and people have mentioned this constantly. <clears throat> There is no right or wrong way to do things. There are just no. experiments, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. And trial and error. Exactly. And I think that yes. that's, uh, that's a good way to wrap this up. And if you have, of course, if you have anything else to add, um, please, uh, you know, go right ahead. <laughs> Thank you so very much for having me here. It was a pleasure meeting you. And it was a pleasure talking about all these experiences that have made me become who I am today. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. You can find links to all the resources we mentioned in the show notes. If you have feedback, please share it in a review on iTunes or any other podcast app you're using. I want to understand how to make the show better and more useful for everyone involved. You can always reach me on my blog or on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the weekly email I send. It comes packed with great resources focused on, what else, decision-making. Don't be a stranger and thanks again for listening.